Good morning, good morning. And happy birthday to my baby sister, Isabella. She's 15 today. And uh, it's actually Zane Carr's birthday too, so happy birthday to him. <laughs> and before we sing happy birthday to them all at once, no, I'm just kidding. I've already embarrassed Isabella already, I know for sure. <laughs> before I embarrass them anymore, I better start on my sermon, I think. <laughs> but if you do know Zane or Isabella, you can wish them happy birthday today. So as we begin, um, I just want you to imagine, use your imagination this morning, and picture with me that we are in a church service five to 600 years ago, and we're in Europe. And 98% of us in this room, we only speak the common language of the day, so depending on where you're at in Europe at that time, you would have spoke German, French, or English, more than likely. But, so we're in this church service five or 600 years ago, and the entire church service is performed in Latin. The singing, the reading of scripture, the preaching of scripture, the prayers, it's all in Latin. It's all in a language none of us understand. The only ones that know Latin and that can read the Bible and therefore understand the Bible are church officials and uh, people of nobility or high status. But nonetheless, there you sit, hoping to honor God, hoping to stay faithful to him because this is the only option you've got, is this, this church, okay? So with, with that resonating in your mind, I want a little bit of audience participation here. You can answer out loud, okay? Do, does this sound like the type of church you would want to be a part of? No, okay. All right, so does this sound like a good way to get people engaged with God and his mission to have a church service like this? No. no. All right, does this, does this sound like a good environment to have good trust in your church leaders? Like, wow, like, church leaders, like, they're just really taking us where we need to go. No. no. All right, does this sound like a good environment to foster your personal spiritual growth and the spiritual growth of others? No. Okay, thanks for saying that. Because... This is exactly what the reformers of the Protestant Reformation thought too. It's exactly what they thought. Because the reformers, they believed that the church had become too big, that it had become too powerful, and they were straying from the Bible, and they weren't being effective in reaching the common person of their day. All of those things were an issue. And it's no wonder because if you're gathering together and you're hearing the Bible in a language you don't understand, and no one really understands, there's probably gonna be very little impact, right? And one of the great cries of the Reformation was sola scriptura. Sola scriptura, which means the scriptures alone. It, meaning the scriptures alone are the authority over the church and for the church. And so it's probably important that the people know the scriptures, right? And Reformers like Luther, Calvin, Zwingli, John Knox, they all had this conviction and they were so convinced of it, that, of this conviction in their heart because this is what God, God's word said about itself, that they were willing to be persecuted if it meant reforming the church, if it meant purifying the church. And Pastor Chris has mentioned this already in his first two sermons, but Sola Scriptura in the Bible, it stands up underneath four principles or attributes in, under the acronym SCAN. So the, we learned about uh, sufficiency last week. That's the S. And then clarity is the C. Authority and the necessity is the N. Today we're gonna be looking at the clarity of scripture. The clarity of scripture. So I wanna start off our time 
where there's gonna be a definition on the screen of here, here's what the clarity of scripture is. The clarity of scripture means that the Bible is written in such a way that its teachings are able to be understood by all who will read it, seeking God's help and being willing to follow it. That's out of Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology. In other words, if anyone desires to know God and and desires to follow God, the word is going to be understandable to them. It's clear. If anybody desires to know God and follow God, God's word is going to be clear to them. It's gonna be understandable. It's not gonna be like, I'm reading around, I don't have a clue. No, it's going to be clear. And this, this obviously flew in the face of the Catholic Church during the time of the Reformation because the Catholic Church believed that God's word, it was not clear and it was not understandable to the common unlearned person and that you had to have other people to interpret it for you, priests, committees, institutions, the common people could not understand it and if they did have a Bible in their own language, that would be dangerous because they would misinterpret it and there would be disorder in the church. So the clarity of scripture, it answers the question, can the average, ordinary person without a seminary degree, that's not a pastor, that's not a priest, can they understand God's word? And the Catholic Church answered no, but the reformers answered with a resounding yes. Yes, the average, ordinary person can understand God's word because that's how we intended it to be because God's word is for all people. God's word is for all people. So I know what some of you are thinking. Does that mean that everything in God's word is just perfectly clear? Just like, here we are, we're reading through it. Like, oh yeah, makes sense, simple. Yep, nope, got it. I don't know if you remember the Daniel series, but <laughs> the Daniel series, we got everything out of it that was clear, <laughs> but there was some of it where we were like, okay, we don't have a clue what's going on here. We had Pastor Chris saying, I read like 10 commentaries and they didn't know what was going on either. So there's things in the Bible that, that aren't clear, but the clarity of scripture doesn't mean that every single thing in the Bible in its exhaustive you know, total is gonna be clear. And another couple examples of this is, um, uh, so the end times, we're talking about Daniel or the book of Revelation, there's a lot of different end times views. But there's still, you can still be a faithful Christian and have a different end times view than somebody else. Or how to interpret Genesis chapters one and two and the, Um, creation and how how did God do that? How long did it take? And what was the time span? There's different views on that that people can have and still be faithful to God's word. It's not 100% clear. Um, Church government, how how is the church supposed to operate with its leaders and its people? There's a lot of different views on that. But here's, here's what the clarity of scripture really means. The clarity of scripture means that God's word is clear on two main things. The first is how to know God and the second is how to please God. So how to know God, how we can be saved through Jesus and know God and spend eternity with him. And then in the meantime, how we can please God, how we can walk with God, how we can obey God. That's what the clarity of scripture means. Not that every single thing we read is gonna be like, oh yeah, easy, everybody's got the same idea on that. No, what it means is the Bible's clear on how to know God, how to have a relationship with him and how to please him, how to walk with him. That's what the clarity of scripture means. And I really like this. If I can steal a line from Alistair Begg, the uh, Irish pastor that has his church in Ohio. You might have heard him on the radio. He says that the main things in the Bible are the plain things, and the plain things are the main things. And I love that because that really is getting at what, what is the most important is that whatever the main things we're supposed to know in the Bible, they're plain. 
And then we're reading across something or reading through the word and we come across something that's just really plain and it's straightforward. Those are probably the main things that we're supposed to know and what God has intended for us. So we've heard about the reformers and what they think about God's word. We've heard about Alistair Begg and what he thinks about God's word and its clarity. But what does the Bible say about itself? Does the Bible claim to be clear? Does the Bible itself claim to be understandable? And to answer this question, the text we're gonna be in today is Deuteronomy chapter 30, starting in verse 11. So if you wanna turn there with me in your Bibles, I would appreciate that. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11, and in the auditorium Bible under the seat, it's on page 133. Deuteronomy chapter 30, starting in verse 11. And the reason we're going to be landing here in Deuteronomy is because the context of Deuteronomy is that the Israelites, they've been wandering in the desert for 40 years because of their hard-heartedness, because they were complaining against God. And he said, okay, I'm gonna allow this older generation that's unbelieving to wander around in the desert. But here Moses, he's giving this charge and he's reminding them about the commandments they've already received. And he's preaching to them again, to this new generation that's gonna enter into the promised land with Joshua. And he's reminding them about the commands that they've already received. And here's what Moses says to the people about God's word, God's revelation that they had at that time. And if we're talking Deuteronomy from the beginning all the way up until chapter 30, he's been giving all these commands. And here's what he says, starting in verse 11. And I'm gonna read through verse 20, and I know so that's 10 verses. But in light of our topic today, in light of the clarity of scripture and that God's word is understandable, I'm gonna read through this whole thing because God's word is for all of us today and I think we're gonna benefit from hearing all of it. So follow along with me. For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish You shall not live long in the land that you're going over the Jordan to enter and to possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him. For he is your life and length of days that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Now, there's a lot of great stuff in our passage today, but let me just summarize 
three things that our passage teaches us about the clarity of scripture. We can, benef- we can be certain that God's word is clear because it's available, God's word is understandable, and God's word is purposeful. Let's work through these three together. So the first is this, God's word is available. Verses 11 through 14. See, in 11 through 14, we see God has brought his word to us. God has brought his word straight to us. We, we don't need someone else to go up to heaven to bring it down to us. We don't need someone to go somewhere else a long way away across the sea and bring it to us. God has brought his word to his people. God has brought his word to his people. And have you ever thought about this? How awesome it is that God has made himself available to us. This is one of the great principles of the Christian faith is that our God is available. Our God is available and his word is available. We don't need to go somewhere else to get it. We don't need to save up enough money so that we can eventually buy it. We don't need to go on a long pilgrimage so that we can get it. We all need to go to seminary or Bible college or become a pastor so that we can understand it. God has made his word available to all people. And if you think about this, in the New Testament, um, Eva was just reading out of John chapter 14 and Jesus. In the gospel of John chapter one, it says, Jesus is the word made flesh. He's the living word. And we see the greatest example of God's availability is that we could never go to God on our own, but God has come to us in the son of God, Jesus. And that's what's so amazing about this is God is available, not only in the scriptures in the Old and New Testament, but God is available. And the most shining example of that is Jesus himself, the word made flesh, the living word. So God is available and the clarity of scripture is, um, is seen through that. And secondly, the clarity of scripture means that God's word is understandable. God's word is also understandable. So verses 15 through 18, God has made his word so plain. And Moses is, is saying this to the people. He's um, laying it all out before him. We don't have to guess how to please God. It's so obvious. It's right there. And if you look again, it's love God, serve God, you'll have life. You'll have blessing. Turn away from God and serve other gods and you're gonna have death. All right, and so this is really straightforward. It's not like, all right, you know, what is, what's this really all about? You know, Moses, he's not really making it clear enough for us. Love and serve God, life. Don't love and serve God, death, all right? Can it get any more plain than that, right? It reminds me of the Geico commercial, uh, so easy a caveman could do it. <laughs> um, if we were in that commercial right now and it said, it's so easy a caveman could understand it, you know, there'd probably be a guy that would get up and he'd be like, hey, it's offensive to me. Um, <laughs> I was watching a few of those this last week and I was like, okay, I think they, they uh, ran those too, too long, <laughs> but everybody remembers that. But it really is, it's so straightforward and some things in the Bible, it's just like, you can't get it wrong. Love God, life. Don't love God, serve other gods, death. And that's what Moses is laying out here before they enter into the promised land. God's word's understandable. And I also love this because so often I hear stories of people from other religious backgrounds um, and some that are even like some of the ones that Pastor Chris has mentioned in the past, but 
uh, like somebody is from a Jehovah's Witness background or a Mormon background or maybe from another church background where there was a lot of legalism or a lot of rules. And what causes them to experience freedom and to really understand the gospel and to really become a follower of Jesus is either someone challenges them to read the Bible on their own or they just get the inclination to do it. And a lot of times it's the New Testament, but they read through the entire New Testament on their own with fresh eyes because they want to follow God and they want to know. And then they realize, holy smokes, what I'm reading in here and what I've been taught my whole life, there's so many things I've been taught, you've got to do this and you've got to do this and this is in the Bible and this is in the Bible and it's not even in here. And they learn things like Jesus is the only way and salvation is, it's by grace as a gift and it's not by works that we do. And they read things that, these extra things that they grew up thinking they had to do and they're like, it's not in there. I don't need anything except this word. And the reason I realize that now is because I read it for myself with a pure heart and God allowed his word to be understandable to me. And now, guess what? I'm gonna try to find a place where there's a group of believers that believe the same thing as me. And it's just the Bible. I found this to be true in my own life. Um, A lot of you have heard my testimony before and I've shared bits and pieces of it from up here, but most of my time through high school, um, I was a professing Christian, but I wasn't walking with God. I had a foot in the world and a foot in the church. If any of you can resonate with that. And the very end of my senior year, I remember track season was over already and um, I think all that was left was graduation. There was a few weeks left of the school semester in that, that spring. And I remember pulling into my parents' driveway and um, for whatever reason, I remembered that I had a paperback New Testament in my trunk, in the trunk of my car. And my youth pastor had given that to me a few months before and I hadn't read it at all. That's why it was in my trunk. And um, like, who keeps their Bible in their trunk? Um, but it was in the trunk. Um, but I just felt like I was supposed to pop the trunk and grab it out of there, and I did, and I started reading through it. So it was a New Testament only, and so the first few pages in the book is the Gospel of Matthew, and I started reading through the Gospel of Matthew, and very quickly I got to chapters five, six, and seven, which is the Sermon on the Mount, which is just, it's just pure Jesus, just um, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. If somebody asks you to go with them one mile, go with them two, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I say turn the other cheek. Um, if anyone hears these words of mine, puts them into practice, they'll be like a man who builds his house on the rock and when the winds and the waves come, it's gonna crash against that house and it will stand. And for the first time ever, I was reading God's word and it was understandable in my head and it was making its way into my heart because I was desiring to know God and I was desiring to please God and to walk with him again. And it was amazing because I remember thinking in my mind, I was like, man, this is right here? Like, I, like, I just thought that like, only the pastors knew where that was at. Like, this is amazing. And then I kept reading. I was like, man, like, I've heard that verse before. I didn't know it was right here. And I was understanding it. It was so simple. It was so fresh. And it was, there's this awesome uh, moment. And I started reading the Bible for the first time as a uh, 18-year-old after that point. And I remember when I got to Moody Bible Institute, um, there was all these other guys on the dorm floor and you know, they'd done like a Bible reading plan like every day since they were five. Um, 
And, uh, and I'd never even read through the New Testament. So I'm like, I remember I'm reading through the book of Romans and I'm like, holy smokes, that's awesome. You know, and I'm here, hearing Awana verses that I heard growing up and I'm like, that's in here? Like, uh, and so that was such an amazing point in my life. And the reason I'm just going on with that is when we come to God's word because we want to know him, we want to draw close to him, the main things are going to be the plain things. It's going to make sense to us because God's word is understandable. So finally, the clarity of the word, it's also purposeful. God's word is also purposeful. So in verses 19 through 20, the end of Deuteronomy 30 here, um, or the passage that we read, Moses is imploring them. And he's not just giving the commandment, I'm reminding you of this, and remember, like this is just pretty straightforward, you know, it's understandable. No, he's imploring them. He is saying, God is laying before you life and death, and choose life, choose the right option, choose to follow God. And here's why, this is so important. He's telling them to choose life because God's word is purposeful. He doesn't just give us his commandments like just because like, God's like, man, my, my like image bearers, they're, they're, out, they're out of control. I just better give them some rules so they can kind of clean things up. That's not why God gives his commandments. That's not purposeful. God gives us his commandments because if you look at 19 through 20, it's because God wants us to love him. God wants us to walk with him, to hold on to him, to enter into the promised land with him. That was what he was doing for the Israelites. And then for our day, God wants us to follow his word because Jesus has led the way. And we already heard about this. He's given us the Holy Spirit. Heard that earlier in the service. And God wants us to choose life so that we can spend eternity with him in the new creation when he comes and he returns and sets up his kingdom. God's word is so purposeful. He has our best in mind. And as I was preparing for this, it also reminded me that the clarity of scripture, it's in the very first pages of the entire Bible. The clarity of scripture is in what God's word being clear and straightforward because it has purpose. See, in, G- in Genesis chapter two, God gives Adam the, the first command ever. And he says, you may eat from any tree in the garden. You may enjoy this garden and work it. But there's just one tree you're not supposed to eat from, the tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You should not eat of that tree, for on that day you eat it, you shall surely die. How straightforward is that, right? <laughs> it's like, okay, enjoy everything, take care of everything, walk with God, don't eat the tree in the middle. And what happens? Satan comes in and the very first thing he does is he challenges the clarity that God has spoken already. Satan comes in and he says, did God really say not to eat from any tree in the garden? And he's already twisting and undermining God's word. And the more, I, I, every time I read Genesis, I always get something new out of it, something, something fresh that, that God's word is um, so clear on and so powerful on. But this time around, I was preparing for this message. I thought to myself, man, God's word is so purposeful and Adam and Eve sinned not because God's word wasn't understandable. I mean, it's so straightforward, right? But it's, for any of us, we're the same way. The reason we don't obey God's word ultimately when we struggle and we disobey and we question 
It's not because it's not understandable. It's because we forget that God's word is purposeful for us and that he cares for us and that his ways are better than the world's ways. Because Satan is always gonna try to whisper and deceive in our ear and be like, did God, did God really say, like, like you, don't, you don't have to do that? That's, God, God's trying to, he, he doesn't want you to be like him. That's why, that's why he's, he's saying don't do that. You should just do whatever you want. That's the temptation. It's to, it's to forget that God's commands are purposeful and that he has our best in mind. God has our best in mind. And just the last thing with this, um, I know there's so many people that, uh, I'm this way at times, that there, many of us have grown up in a church background and we're still recovering from this, where it's like, man, I, I need to obey God's commands because if, if I don't, God's gonna be angry with me. And if God's angry with me, then I'm gonna go to hell. And can I just say that God's word is so clear that the primary reason that we obey him and that we desire to follow him, it's not to get out of hell. And, and the primary reason we obey God and follow his word, it's not even to get to go to heaven. It's to be with him. Because God wants to have a relationship with us. God, he saved us, he loves us. He wants to have a relationship with us. And Deuteronomy 30, 19 through 20 shows us that. Moses is saying, choose life because God wants you to have a long life in the land that he's leading you into to take possession of so that he can spend this time with you and he can be worshiped by you. God wants to be with you. His commandments are purposeful. So to summarize, God's word, it's clear because it's available, it's understandable, and it's purposeful and we need to be very grateful for that today. Is anybody grateful that God's word is so purposeful? It's so available. It's understandable. Praise God. Um, but with that said, do you know who that's not true for today? The word of God, it's, it's not available. It's not understandable and it's not purposeful for the 1.5 billion people on this planet who have never heard of the God of the Bible, do not have a Bible in their language, even started, have never heard on the name of Jesus, ever. And they're waiting for the clear message of the gospel, but they won't hear it clearly if they don't hear it in their native language, in their heart language. And they won't hear it in their heart language if someone isn't willing to go to them, to live among them, to learn their language, and then speak God's word in a way that they can respond to it. This is why we must take God's word so seriously. This is why we must take global missions so seriously. Because God's word, it's not only for us, church. It's not only for us. God's word is for all people. Do we believe that? God's word is for all people. But they can't believe in a God whom they have not heard. Romans 10, 13 through 15 says it this way, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him who they, whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. 
The clarity of scripture matters because it is how people call on the name of the Lord and are saved. But for that to happen, we have to be sent. We have to send people out so that they can find these people that need God's word, learn their language, get the Bible to them, preach the Bible to them so that they can respond. The late martyr Jim Elliot, he said this way about the urgent need to go. This is what Jim Elliot said. He was martyred for his faith, bringing the clear message of the gospel to people that had not heard. He said, I dare not stay home while Quichua's perish. So what if the well-fed church in the homeland needs stirring? They have the scriptures, Moses and the prophets, and a whole lot more. Their condemnation is written on their bank books and in the dust on their Bible covers. This is a powerful quote, right? And in light of our topic today, the clarity of scripture, I believe Jim Elliott's quote, it really has two things that resonate for me that Harmony Bible Church always needs to be marked by. Harmony Bible Church always needs to be marked by these two things. May it never be said of us that there's dust on our Bible covers. May that never be said of us. And if you're sitting here today and you're like, you know what, there is dust on my Bible cover. God's invitation today is to come to him with a spirit of willingness because you want to draw close to him and you want to follow him. And you don't want that to be said of you. You want to be somebody of the word. Let's be a people of the word. And then secondly, we need to always be willing to go. And by going, I mean praying, giving, mobilizing, supporting, sending. And some in this room, you're actually going to go be the boots on the ground, frontline workers to go take the clear message of the gospel to those that have never heard. That will be you. And we want to be a church family that cheers you on and that sends you because this is so important. The clarity of scripture, if you think about it, it ultimately doesn't matter if you think about that quote. The clarity of scripture, it doesn't even matter if there's dust on our Bible covers and we're not willing to go, right? It it doesn't even matter. I mean, this sermon, like who cares? The clarity of scripture, God's word is understandable. If we're not in God's word so that it can be living and active, sharpening a two-edged sword, dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow, it's not gonna do that if we're not reading it. And the clarity of scripture doesn't matter if we're not going and taking the clear message of the gospel to others that need it the most. 1 John 5 verse 12 says, he who has the son has life and he who does not have the son does not have life. Can it get any more clear than that? Is the Bible clear? Is the main message of the Bible clear? He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. If you have Jesus, you have everything. If you have Jesus, if you do not have Jesus, you have nothing. So let's be a church, Harmony, let's be a church that loves this word, that we are a people of this word, that we know what it says, we're willing to obey it at all costs. And ultimately that's going to require us being a people that go to all nations, making disciples baptizing them and teaching them to obey all that the Lord has commanded. And 
the Great Commission, Matthew 28, Jesus has this promise at the end and he says, surely I will be with you even to the very end of the age. As we are obedient to God's word and we go and we go to make disciples, he is going to be with us in a special way. His presence and his power is with us when we are obedient to God's word to go do that. Let's be a people who are obedient to God's word. Amen? Amen. Will you pray with me?